You're listening to the Church on the Move Roswell podcast. We hope this message inspires you, encourages you, and challenges you to take your next step with Jesus. Thanks for listening. Let's check it out. Hey, turn me to Galatians 3.13. Galatians 3.13. Man, we're going to start there. This is just good news. I just want to share the good news about what God has done for us and what he's done in us. In Galatians chapter 3 and verse 13, it says this, Yet Christ paid the full price. Jesus paid the full price to set us free. What Paul's talking about here is he's, he's talking to people who want to keep adding religion to the relationship. And so what would happen here is these, these people in Galatia become Christians, and some of them were Gentiles, which means they weren't Jewish, and some were Jewish. And then teachers came in and said, listen, man, this relationship thing's great, but we got to add the feasts and the festivals and all this, all this, do, all this stuff of law, and we got to start doing this. We got to start eating like this, and we got to start doing this. And Paul's like, no, 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 hold, time out, time out. Uh-uh, uh-uh, we're not under the law anymore. We're not under that anymore. And he's correcting the church and the people teaching this. He's correcting them. Matter of fact, he's rebuking harshly the ones teaching this to try to put people back in bondage to some religion that they could somehow earn their way into heaven. And you can't earn your way into heaven. There's only one way to get to heaven, and that's by accepting Jesus Christ as the Lord of your life because he's the only way. He's the door. He said, I am the door. He's the only door to heaven and the only door to the Father. And so he says this. He says, yet Christ paid the full price to set us free from the curse of the law. He absorbed the curse completely as he became a curse in our place. For it is written, everyone who is hung upon a tree is cursed. Matter of fact, some translations say it's doubly cursed. Because Jesus, it says in Romans 5, that he didn't just equal out sin, he overwhelmed sin. He didn't just like equal out and say, okay, there's this much sin and I'm going to do this. You know, God's a God of abundance, man. He said, he, he said where sin abounded, grace abounded more. So he was more than all the sin in the world. And so Paul's trying to correct this thought and and trying to teach us, man, hey, we're free from the curse of the law. What's the curse of the law, man? That our sins are held against us. Our sins are held, that's the curse of the law. Our sins are held against us. And that we pay a price when we die. Not only in this life are they held against us and we pay a price here, but we also pay a price when we die and we don't get eternal life. We go to eternal death. That's the curse of the law. That's the, it's a curse. It curses us in this life and the next, but Jesus came to set us free from the curse. That's why he said, he said this, he's forgiven us of all of our iniquities and healed us of all of our diseases, and he's delivered us from destruction, from hell, and he's supercharged our lives. That's why he says that in Psalms. This is what Jesus came to do, was to set us free from the curse. But so often we experience the curse and we think it's just part of, it should be a part of our life. Listen, Galatians 3.13 should be in your blood. I pray uh, uh, about uh, the curse of sickness and disease every day. And one of the things I pray is, is that Galatians 3.13 is actually alive. God's word is alive. 
It's not just, and it was never meant just to stay on these pages. It was meant to come off of these pages and come alive inside of us and, and, it, and actually manifest itself in our world. So I pray that Galatians 3.13 runs through our bloodstream. That it's alive in our uh, energizing every blood cell and, and demanding that the curse leave. That the curse leave. We're free from the curse of the law. We live now by the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. That's what he's called us to do. So he said, man, I paid the price. He says, Jesus Christ, in verse 14, dissolved the curse from our lives so that in him all the blessings of Abraham can be poured out upon Gentiles. All the blessings. Every blessing is poured out upon us. So he not only does, God, only, you know, he's so cool. He not only delivers us from hell, but he puts us in heaven. He not only forgives us of his, our sins, but he teaches us how not to sin. He not only delivered us from the curse, but he blesses us. And he wants us to be blessed in this life and the next. I love how God, he doesn't just say, don't do this, or let me take that away without adding something else in return. He always adds something better. His grace is more. His grace is more. His unmerited favor, his heart to give, his heart of generosity, his heart of love is, man, he just wants to pour it out on us. Man, we need to stop resisting it and say, man, we've been redeemed from the curse of the law. Jesus has dissolved it. And we live by the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. And we operate with all the blessings of Abraham can be poured out upon Gentiles. And now, through faith, we receive the promised Holy Spirit who lives in us. I mean, God said, man, not only do I want to do all this for you, now I'm going to send my Holy Spirit, and my Spirit's going to live in you, with you. Where does he live? He lives in our spirit. He lives in our, with our spirit. We have a spirit, the Holy Spirit. You know, God says spirit speaks to spirit. Spirit connects with spirit. So God is a spirit. How does he connect with us? He sends the Holy Spirit to connect with our spirit. And our spirit lives in here, lives in this body and speaks to us, ministers to us. Most of the time we don't realize that we think it's the Holy Spirit speaking, and it is, but it's the Holy Spirit speaking to our spirit, and our spirit speaking to us. That's why those voices in your head that are from God sound like you. Sounds a lot like you, something like, man, I had this thought the other day. Yeah, that comes from the Holy Spirit. It's your thought, but it's the Holy Spirit speaking to you. And I, I think it's incredible that, that Jesus did this for us. I just want to encourage you. Let's live up to it. Let's, let's denounce the curse. Let's, when the curse tries to attach itself to a sickness, disease, and lack, and, and just a lack of favor, and sin itself, when sin tries to attach itself to us and make, it, make itself a home in our lives, we need to say, no, hold on a second. I've been redeemed from the curse of the law. It's been dissolved. I'm no longer under the curse. I live by the life of Christ Jesus, and I, I live, I'm dead to sin, and I live for what is right. I'm dead to sin. This is how you fight back. This is how you fight back. We always, our weapon, we all know, our weapon is the sword of the Spirit, is the Word of God. It's, it's the mightiest, most powerful weapon in the universe. He used His Word to create the universe. 
Have any of you seen the recent photographs coming back from that new telescope we put up? We sent one further out. Oh, my goodness. The stuff they're seeing is unbelievable. I mean, it's, it's, awe, it's awe-inspiring. Look it up sometime. Google it. New. Don't do it now. <laughs> if I see you looking, man, poke it. Hey, look at that. I know you're, don't do it now, but look, on, look it up later. Man, look at the universe that God spoke into existence. Man, we have billions and billions of planets just in our solar system. It's crazy cool what God has done, and he just spoke it. That's the power of God's spoken word. And he said, I want my word to come alive in you and come out of your mouth. You speak it. I'm delivered from the curse. I'm free from the curse. Jesus became the curse for me. I don't have to live under the curse. If Jesus took it, why are you living it? Let him take it. You're free. I said you're free. I said you're free. You're free from the curse. And you're free to walk in all the blessings, all the blessings of Abraham, all the bless, all the blessings, all, all the blessings, all the blessings. All the blessings. Does that mean there won't be any battles or fights and we'll have a perfect life and nothing bad will ever happen? No, man, this is a, this is a war zone. We're living in a war zone. We're living in a place that, man, things are happening all around us because there's a battle raging in the spiritual realm between God and Satan. For us, we're the prize. Man, if you never thought you were, uh, uh, someone prized you, God prizes you Highly, He sent his son to die for you. That's how much he prizes and loves you. That's how much he thinks about you in me. That's how much he thinks about people. And there's a war raging for our lives. Heaven and hell's fighting. Heaven's fighting for us and hell's fighting against us. Hell wants to drag us down and God wants to lift us up. I pick God. I pick the one that wants to lift us up not the one that wants to drag us down. Listen, go with me to 2 Timothy. You know, there's a lot happening in our world and around us, and this is, this is the spirit behind it all. There's a spirit behind it all in 2 Timothy. We've read this before. Uh, chapter 3, verse 1 says, but you need to be aware that in the final days, this is the last days, the final days, the culture, the culture, you know, there's a big difference between what you say you are and the culture that you have. You know, I'll go into businesses and they'll have a sign up that says, we value every customer. And you walk up to the front desk and the first person that you talk to goes, what do you want? You're like, that might be your mission statement, but your culture doesn't match that sign. Your culture, <laughs> you might say you do all this for people and customers, but that's not your culture. Culture is who you really are. So this said the culture of society, not the culture of the kingdom, not the culture of the church, but the culture of society will become extremely fierce. They, I mean, guys, they're going to become, it's fear, they're going to be fierce, not just towards us, but towards each other, towards, the, towards everything, towards everything. They're going to be angry and fierce because they're miserable, because they're miserable. You know, I... I used to have uh, discussions with people about Jesus, and, and I remember one time uh, I had a boss. He was brilliant. 
This guy was super smart. And uh, he found out I was a Christian, and he had told some of the other employees, this is our home office in Kansas City, and I was at the home office doing some training, and he found out I was a Christian, and he told some other employees, I can't wait to talk to those smothermen. I'm just going to shoot down all his Christianity. And I'm like, he said, why would he say that? He said, ah, because that guy loves to debate, and he's really smart. And So they were all, they were all waiting for this conversation to happen. And so we worked in this open-air office, and so his desk was right there with our desk. And one day I walked by, he said, hey, smotherman, I heard you're a Christian. I said, you heard right. He said, ah, well, let's talk about this thing, that thing, and another thing. And he wanted to go in all this crazy stuff. I said, you know what? Let's just simplify this conversation. Everybody's like, it's like E.F. Hutton in the office. They're all leaning over. <laughs> and I said, let's just simplify it. I serve God, and this is my life. I love my wife. I have, be- I have beautiful kids. God's blessing me. I'm a giver. I give to people, and I'm generous, and Man, I take care of my business, and my bills are all paid, and my life is good, and I mean, I have a joy inside of me, and I just start talking about all this stuff, and I said, what about your life? I already knew. You never ask a question unless you already know the answer to people like that. I already knew he was unmarried, had no children, he was miserable, he was always battling depression. I mean, all these things, even though he was brilliant, he was successful in some ways. I knew, too, that even though he made a ton of money, he didn't have any money. It was like sand in his hand. And so I just got personal real quick. That's my, this is my life with God. This is your life without God. Hey, guys, I don't know what you want to choose, but I choose God. And I just walked off. I got, no, oh, God's, God's good. He gave me that wisdom because I'd been meditating. I'm like, God, what do you want me to say? He said, just compare your life real quick and get out of there. He told me. He gave me the wisdom. So I, I sit at my desk, and about five minutes goes by, and all these people come walking by my desk. Hey, you, can I buy you lunch today? And I, I ended up at lunch with a whole table full of people, like, like 12 of us sitting at this big round table, and they, bought, they all pitched in and bought my lunch, and they all asked me about Jesus every single one. No, no joke. That's a true story. Why? Because what it really comes down to is what, what would your life be like without God? And what is your life like with God? My worst day is better, is better than my worst day before I knew God. My best day before I knew God. Because there's a hope that is, lives inside of you. There's a joy. There's a peace. There's, a, there's always an expectation that God is for you. There's someone to turn to, someone to cry to, someone to, to take your, your junk to, someone that will forgive you, someone that knows everything about you and still loves you. It's amazing how good God is. It's amazing how good God is. And that's the bottom line. And so these people in this culture, man, they're going to be fierce because why? They're miserable. And misery loves company, so they want to make everybody else's life miserable. That's why when I partied, man, I wanted everybody. I'm like, man, come on. You come, and you come, and you come. You know, I wanted everybody to be involved in the misery. And I led people to those, in those situations and to those things. I wanted everybody to be involved. That's why the world's always inviting. Always, I love what Pastor Tim says all the time. It's our motto here for the youth. As long as the devil has a, has a bigger youth uh, 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 program than we do, we have a lot of work to do. We're not going to let the devil have more people in his, more teenagers in his camp than we have in our camp. 
We're going to keep fighting for our young people. And so, you know, guys, that, 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 that needs to be our, that's our attitude that, man, we have, a, we have a life that, you know, regardless of the circumstances, we have a hope and an expectation and a faith. And, man, and we have heaven. I said, we have heaven. So no matter what else happens in this life, we die, we go to heaven. And so these people are miserable, and they, man, they just, they love, misery loves company, and they always want to drag people into stuff with them. It said people will be self-centered lovers of themselves and obsessed with money. Man, but basically what it's saying is they're going to be selfish. You know, Julie and I, we've taught a couple years at our marriage conference on selfishness. Selfishness is the number one cause of divorce and the breakup of families. It's just pure selfish. It's just selfishness. It's a me attitude. It's a me attitude. It's all about me. It's what I want, not what anybody else wants. And so it says, they will boast of great things and they'll strut around in their arrogant pride. Gosh, have we not seen that? And mock all that is right. They will ignore their own families and they will be ungrateful, ungrateful and ungodly. Man, we, we probably have the most ungrateful culture right now than we've ever seen. Gosh, we, we have so much to be grateful for. Gosh, you understand where you live? Even with the economy, the inflation up, and gas, we still live in the best. I've lived. I've been around the world. I've been in other places in the world. I wouldn't want to live anywhere else but here. No one has the, even as messed up as our judicial system can be, it's still the best. I mean, it's incredible. And that's why we're under such attack right now. Because if we go down, the light, the light will go out in the world. You understand, guys, that if America didn't exist, all these world wars and all these two-bit dictators like Hitler and Mao Zedong and China and, and uh, Cuban dictators and, and all these two-bit dictators and authoritarian governments, man, they would already run the world. They'd already be ruling the world. We were the force that stood up. Why? Why did God choose us? Because we were the most Christian nation on the planet. And we could be again if we'd get busy. We'd get busy telling people about Jesus. Let me tell you what selfish people are like. And I'm going to go through a series of things over the next several Wednesdays. Here's the first one. The world thinks me first. Christians think kingdom first. The world thinks me first. Christians think kingdom first. We just saw a description of a me First thinking culture, a whole society of me first. Me first people, not only are they selfish, but man, they, they don't ever consider the well-being of others when they make decisions. They're, they manipulate people because they want what they want and they'll do anything to get what they want. They're materialistic, extremely materialistic. They gauge everything by what you have or by what you don't have. They, gain their, they gauge their own value and your value by what you have and what you don't have. How you dress, what you drive. They base everything on that. On what? On materialistic things. They're materialistic. Do you know you can have no money and be materialistic? That's why people steal. Because they, they don't want to work for it, so they'll go steal for it. They're materialistic. That's why poor people will have the best cell phone. 
They'll even have a decent looking car where their house is a shack. They'll have a poverty mentality. They'll wear gold chains and gold this and gold that. And, but man, they don't have a dime to, to rub together. They're materialistic. Selfish people are materialistic. That's why God said they'll love money. They'll love money. They'll love materialistic things, and they'll do anything to get it. Mater uh, selfish people lack empathy. They don't, have any, they don't have any empathy or sympathy for others, and they're unkind. They're just unkind. They're just not kind people. They're unkind. If you find some of these qualities or someone that loves you is saying, hey, man, you're unkind. You're, you're being selfish. That's the, that's the result of selfishness in your life. If you're materialistic, if you gauge, if you look around to see what everybody else is wearing and doing, I'm not talking about just like a people, you know, observing thing. I don't know. I'm a people watcher. I go to the airport and sit. I just watch people walk by. Look at all the fast walkers carrying their bag. All the, all the people in their pajamas, they just look like they woke up out of bed in their Crocs and they're just kind of, I'm like, they're going to be late for their plane, man. They're just... The different business people and, you know, and, I mean, it's just I'm a people watcher. I like people. I, I, I love people, so I'm a people watcher. But I don't, I don't go and say, yeah, man, that person has more value than that person because that person's in their Mickey Mouse pajamas and this person's in a suit and tie. I don't, I don't look at it from a value perspective. I don't look and go, man, that, that, that woman's more valuable than that man or that child's more valuable than that woman or this person uh, that is white is more valuable than that person is black or that brown person is more valuable than a white person. I don't look at any of that. Do I notice those things? Absolutely. If you don't notice those things, man, you're, you're colorblind. I know to what color people are. I grew up talking about that kind of stuff with my buddies. We always talked about that stuff. But it was in fun and jest, and we never placed a value on that. Selfish people place a value on those things. They place a value on that. And never let the world convince you to place a value on yourself or others based on any of those criteria. That will breed a selfishness and an arrogance and a pride in you you'll end up losing ground in your life. You'll end up losing ground big time in your life. You'll end up alone. I said you'll end up alone. That's how a lot of people end up alone. They're too selfish to change. They're like, I'm not changing for nobody. Well, okay, then you won't have somebody. They say, I don't want to change for nobody. Okay, nobody will be around you then. You've got to be willing to change and to grow and to make changes in your life, to have somebody in your life, whether it's friends or, or a husband, a wife, or to have your children grow up to even care about you, want to have a relationship with you. But there's a big difference between uh, the world's me-first attitude and Christian's uh, kingdom-first attitude. Matthew 6, go with me there. Go with me to Matthew 6. Man, I tell you, selfish people are going to dominate the world at the end time. They're going to usher in the Antichrist because the Antichrist is selfish. And he's going to give them permission. He's going to say, oh, yeah, selfish, selfish, selfish. Let's all be selfish. 
That's what some churches do. That's what some people do. That's what people do to manipulate others and to, and to mess with other people uh, they, they, and to, to use other people. It's unfortunate some churches do that. They give people permission to be selfish. Instead of, instead of saying, hey, no, 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 no. That's not who we are as Christians. We're givers. We're kind to people. We're going we're gonna to have compassion. We can't do everything, but we can do something. Amen. Amen. So, so God says in, in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, he says, So above all, constantly seek God's kingdom and his righteousness, otherwise a relationship with God. Then all these less important things will be what? Added to you. My, my Bible says, the Passion Verse says, given to you abundantly. Abundantly. So what the world is seeking, what the world wants, God says, I'll give you. What they, what they want to do to grab and take and bite and scratch and, and be selfish trying to get a hold of, God said, I'll give it to you in abundance if you keep my kingdom first and my relationship with you first. Christians put the kingdom first. That's why, guys, it blows my mind. It blows my mind who all labels themselves Christians. I'm like, oh, you're in churches that say we're a Christian church, but they, they don't care about any lost people. I'm like, how can you be a Christian and how can you be a church and not do an altar call? How can you do a, be a church and be a Christian and not tell people about Jesus? How can you be a church and call yourself a Christian and not care about that there's millions, trillions of people or billions of people walking this earth that are walking to hell and not going to heaven and we have a responsibility to it. We can't make them, but at least tell them. How can you be a Christian and not have that heart? How can you be a Christian and not be a giver? I don't get it. I don't understand it. How can you call yourself a Christian and not be a giver? I don't know how you call yourself a Christian and not be a tither. I don't know how you call yourself a Christian and not be generous. And it doesn't mean you give away everything. God doesn't say to do that. But you're generous to people. I'll tell you, my ungodly daddy, my dad did not love God. Until he was older, and he finally gave his heart to Jesus. But I'm telling you, one thing, he was generous. He wasn't even a Christian, and he was more generous than Christians I know. He wouldn't, he'd have never, he thought, he said he was a, a agnostic. He believed there was a God. He wasn't sure who it was or what it was, but he knew there was one. Until he met Jesus when he was later, in his 60s, he, he became a Christian. But all the way up until that point, he wasn't. But man, that guy was generous now. I don't know. Man, this is old school right here, okay? This is old school. So I'd say, hey, 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 hey Pops. So I called him Pops. Hey, Pops, can I, can I get five bucks or something for gas and some, you know, food or something? And he'd say, yeah. He never told me no. He'd say yes, and he'd pull his wallet and turn his back to me. <laughs> when I got older, I'd say, Dad, what do you think? I'm going to get in your wallet? He said, you never show anybody how much cash you have in your wallet. <laughs> old school. Never show anybody how much money. Of course, he ran around in bars and stuff like that, so you never show anybody in a bar how much cash you got in your wallet. You get a little tipsy, walk out, someone will have your cash. <laughs> but anyway, and those guys, those old guys, they carried lots of cash. I mean, he had lots of cash. I knew it. He had lots of cash. When he, was, when he was, thought he was passing away one time, he said, hey, hey, listen, I got to tell you something. I said, what? He said, uh, hey, go in my sock drawer. 
He said, I put $5,000 away for my funeral. Get that money, pay for the funeral. I'm like, you got $5,000 in your sock drawer? He goes, yeah, don't, don't mess with money. Funeral money. <laughs> he did. He was taking care. He was going to make sure he took care of my, my mom. He's like, no, I'm going to take care of all that. I'm going to take care of my business. That's what he'd probably tell me. But yeah, he was still generous, though. Even though he turned his back and got his money out of his wallet with his back to me, he still turned around and gave me that five bucks. And you can say, well, five dollars is not much money. Well, back then it was. Gas wasn't, you know, 75 cents, a buck 25. And you can go to McDonald's for 250 and buy all the food you wanted before inflation, right? But, but guys, listen, you know, I don't know how you call yourself a Christian and don't have a generous heart. And generosity to me and generosity to me might be different in dollars because someone might have more money than me or I might have more money than them, but it's still generosity. It's a generosity in all of us. And I, this is how you keep the kingdom first, guys. Number one, you have to have a heart for the lost. I know what it's like to be lost and have a whole family that was lost except my mom. I know what it's like. I know what it's like to live in darkness and be playing the game. And partying and drinking and drugs. I've seen what it does to families and people's lives. I've seen how it destroyed people's lives. I've seen that kill people. My heroes, these soldiers that I knew. My dad was 24 years in the military. And all his friends were military guys. And I saw how alcohol just destroyed their families and destroyed their lives. And these heroes, these guys that fought in wars, that had medals galore, were dying young and dying drunk. I knew a colonel that was a, man, he was a fighting machine. He was a pilot. He was a jet pilot. Man, he fought in Vietnam and Korea, and, and man, he shot down enemy aircraft. I mean, this guy was a stud. I watched him waste away to 70 pounds, throwing up on himself, peeing on himself, drunk, and died from alcoholism. I saw what the world looks like and how it plays out, how these things play out in families. I saw how his family was destroyed. His wife became an alcoholic. She didn't even drink, but towards the end, she became an alcoholic. I mean, I saw his kids scattered and all messed up sexually in every other way. I saw, I saw the results of all the world. I saw the darkness uh, magnified, and I watched it, and I lived in it, and I participated in it. And now, now that I found Jesus, how can I not have a passion in my heart to tell everybody in this room, everybody watching online and everybody I know, Jesus loves you. He died for you. He wants you to go to heaven and he'll change your life here. He'll deliver you from all those curses, all those curses and pour blessings on your life so you can be a blessing. I don't know how you, you call yourself a Christian and say, I put the kingdom first and not care about the lost and the hurting. I don't know how people sit in churches that don't do altar calls and sit with pastors that don't care about the laws. They've never led anybody to Jesus personally, nor is anybody else in their church doing it. I don't know why you'd call yourself a Christian and sit there. I never say this. This is the first time you'll hear this from this, this pulpit. Come out of those churches. First time in 20 years I've preached, almost 21 years, I've never said that. But it's time. It's time. It's time. This culture's flipping. It's flipping towards evil. And it's time you come out and you join something that's making a difference. It's just time. And for our guests, I preach like this all the time. 
This isn't a passion that I don't have. I've had this passion since I was 18, and Jesus saved my life, and I watched him deliver my family from alcohol and drugs. I watched him deliver my family uh, and turn our lives and our, our, our whole destinies uh, upside down. And I've seen my brother and I become pastors, and God, man, bless our families and save my older brothers and save my father, but that he went to heaven and not to hell. Listen, you should have a passion in your heart to do something if the kingdom is first. There should be some kind of passion in you to care about those that are lost, those that are hurting, those that don't know Jesus. There should be a passion in you to be generous to people, starting with your, starting with your own family. Actually, starting with God, then your own family. You should, be, you should have a heart to be generous to each other. And generosity doesn't always mean finances. It could be time. It could be effort. It could be help. It could just be help. That's the kingdom first. That's the kingdom first mentality. You notice it says here that we're to seek. We're to seek the kingdom. We're to seek the kingdom first. Seek it. You know, have you ever played hide and seek and everybody hid but no one saw it? That wouldn't be fun. You're hiding and no one's seeking. That wouldn't be fun at all. God said, seek the kingdom. He said, man, I'm, I'm going to make myself, I'm going to show you me, but you just can't find me just by stumbling over me. You got to seek me. You got to, he said, you seek me, I'll let you find me. When my kids were little, you know, and they'd say, Daddy, I want to be the seeker. And, you know, I didn't hide where I knew they couldn't find me. You know, I'd hide and hang my leg out. You know, you got to let them find you, right? Sometimes, you know, I, I, if, I, if I hid really well, and they're like, man, I can't find Daddy. I can't, you know, I'd, I'd start making noises. Like, over here. We lived in an older house one time, and it had all them built-in cabinets that were huge. I could, I could climb into any of them, lay out completely. I mean, these old built, and we'd hide all up in there. You know, and they couldn't find me sometimes. I'd, I'd always let them know where I am. That's how God is towards us. If you'll seek him, he'll let you find him. He'll let you find him. Just to have a heart to seek. You just got to have a heart to seek. James 4, 8 says, if you'll draw close to God, he'll draw close to you. Man, let's draw close. That's, that's, that's someone who puts the kingdom first. Not a me first, kingdom first mentality. Seven things we're going to talk about. We're not going to get to all seven of them tonight. But in 1 Thessalonians 5, 17, it says, pray continually. Man, if you look at the life of Jesus, he spoke to the Father publicly and privately all the time. He would separate himself privately and go alone and just talk to the Father. He had constant conversations, intimate, heartfelt conversations with the Father. I mean, we see that in the garden. We see that in the garden. It's like, Father, if you could take this cup. I mean, he's having a heartfelt, he's, 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 he's sweating. It's so much pressure on him that he's sweating blood. And I mean, he, but he's having this. He doesn't go once. How many times does he go to the Father? Three times. He didn't go once and say, Father, if you could take this cup, man, take it. No, he goes, he goes back again. 
He goes back again. Father, if you can, and he goes back again. He goes three times. If there's any other way. Then he said, after the third time, he said, if there's no other way, thy will be done. Not my will be done, but thy will be done. But, you, but he had a heartfelt conversation with him about it. Heartfelt. Man, guys, God's moved by heartfelt prayers. He said the fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Man, guys, when, you, when you're a kingdom seeker, man, you, you need to have heartfelt prayers. Not instance. That's why God doesn't like the, all the repetition sometimes of, of religion where you just say the same thing over and over. After a while, there's no heart in it. God's a heart God. What does he say? I, judge, I don't judge the outside. I judge the heart. He's looking for someone that will pray sincerely from their heart. And guys, they don't have to be thousand-hour prayers. You don't have to, you know, I'm, you don't have to walk on your knees and be on your knees till your knees bleed. That's not, guys, a heartfelt prayer. Man, the person he's talking about is Elijah. Elijah didn't, he didn't pray for five hours. He just, he'd say simple prayers. He told Ahab, it's not going to rain for three years. That's, that was the whole thing. When Jesus healed, he didn't say, well, let's, let, me get my, let me get my Jesus voice. Oh, you're going to get healed. You know, and start praying the whole book of Psalms, you know. Whole Psalms chapter 119, pray all that. That's not what Jesus did at all. He said, be healed. I heard a story. I'm going to end with this. I heard a story about a guy. He was coming to America on a steamboat back in the 1920s or 30s. And man, the captain had been up for 24 hours on this boat because there was a thick fog and they were barely moving. And that, that guy made his way up to the captain's, uh, you know, where, the, where they drive the boat and everything. And uh, he, he went in. He opened the door and walked in. And the captain's like, what are you doing up here? You're a passenger. He goes, yeah, I know. He said, but Captain, uh, uh, I've never missed a, an appointment in my entire life. He said, I got to be in America on this date at this time, and we're going way too slow. We got to get moving. And he said, well, sir, we're doing the best we can, but there's a fog. You see this fog out here? We can't. And he said, you're gonna, you're gonna, this is going to be the first time you're going to miss. And he said, oh, no, it's not. The captain said, why do you think that? He said, because I know God. It's a true story. He said, I know God. And he said, God's not going to let me make, miss this appointment. And he said, well, what are you going to do? But I said, we're going to pray. And so he got down on his knees right there in, you know, in the, the, part, you know, the, the place with the captain. What is that called? The, not the perch. The, the bridge, the bridge, right there in the bridge. He just hit his knees. He prayed a simple prayer. He said, God, remove the fog and get rid of the fog and speed up this boat so I'm not late for my appointment. In the name of Jesus, and he stood up. And the captain said, well, you, know, you want me to pray? He said, no, nah, don't waste your time. That's what he told him. He said, don't waste your time. He said, number one, he said, you're not going to believe it anyway. This is a true story. He said, number one, you're not going to believe this, your prayer anyway. And number two, open the door and look outside. He said, why? He said, because the fog is gone. The captain would. He got, he's like, the whole fog, this is a true story. The whole fog had lifted. 
the whole fog had lifted. True story. And this man ended up writing a book, and he said, he said in this book, he said, if we would just understand that it's simple, not complicated, God loves us. That's it. And because he loves us, he wants to hear our prayers. This man believed in what he prayed would happen. He was so confident, he told him to look outside. He, didn't, he couldn't even tell the fog had lifted. He just believed it had, and it did. True story. That, it changed that captain's whole Christianity. The captain tells the story, not the other man. The captain tells the story to others because someone had asked him, what's different about you? He said, my whole Christianity's changed. He said, why? He said, this, this guy came into the, the cabin, and man, and he just prayed, and he told me not even bother praying because I didn't believe it. He was right. I wouldn't go. I was going to throw something up. You know, he said, but this guy believed and it happened. And he said, and I delivered that man right on time. He, he was on time. He was on time for that appointment. God loves us. Let's put his kingdom first. Let's not be like the world. Me first. Let's be kingdom first, people. Kingdom first. You do that, God said, I'll supply all your needs abundantly. Won't you try it? Won't you try trying to get yours and, and try to promote God? Seek Him. See what He does. See what He does. I know what He's going to do. He's going to lift the fog. He's going to get you there on time. Listen, every eye closed. We just do that not for religious reasons, but for purposes to remove distractions. Those online watching, just close your eyes right where you're at. Right here, right now. If you're watching this two days from now, close your eyes and think about this. If you died today, would you go to heaven or hell? Do you really know Jesus as the Lord of your life? And better yet, does he know you? For he said on the last days, many will say, Lord, Lord. But he'll say, I never knew you. And they'll say, well, we did all of this in your name. He's like, you did it all for you. You did all of that for you, not for me. It's one thing to say you know Jesus. It's much more important that Jesus knows you. But how, do, how does he come to know me? Because you, you've given your life to him. He submitted his life and gave his life to save us. He's not asking us to do anything he hasn't already done. He said, I gave my life for you. Will you give your life for me that others might come to know me? That I could save you? How do you give your life to Jesus? You submit it. Say, Jesus, you're the Lord, I'm not. You're God, I'm not. I'm, I'm, I'm done trying to be God of my own life. I'm done believing the lie that I can somehow be the God of my own life. And that somehow this selfishness and this me attitude is going to somewhere along the line produce something good. It's never going to produce something good. Even when good things happen, they'll be tainted. They'll be gained evil with, by evil and manipulation and greed. Never satisfy your life. Are you tired of walking in darkness? Try the light. It's available to you. But God's going to ask something from you. 
He gave his son's life for you. Now he's asking you to give your life for him. What's that look like? We'll talk about that next Wednesday. Right now you have a choice to make. I don't want you to make an emotional choice because a lot of times those don't stick. I want you to make a decision, a quality decision of your, of your will. That you submit your will to God. That Jesus is the Lord and you're not. And you don't want to walk in darkness anymore. You want to be forgiven of your sins. You want to go to heaven. And you want to make a difference in God's kingdom for other people in this life. Walk in the blessings of God. The goodness of God. It won't be perfect, but it'll be better than your best day in the world. Your best day walking in darkness won't be as good as your worst day walking in the light. But your choice. Here at Church on the Move, we wouldn't dare not give you a chance. Because we, we want, we're doing everything we can to put the kingdom first. The kingdom's about people and their relationship with a loving God. What do you want? If you've, if you've never prayed and you're thinking right now, man, I, I, I want to go to heaven. I, I want to not only know God, I want him to know me. I want to be forgiven of it. I want to make a difference. I see where selfishness and all this junk has led me. I want out. The only way out is Jesus. He's the only door out. He's the only way out. Maybe someone's watching right now that's close to death. If you died right now, you'd go to hell, not heaven. God's giving you this opportunity. I don't know why I'm saying this. Never said this before, but I'm saying it now. There's some first tonight. God wants you to go to heaven. He died for you to go to heaven. He made hell for the devil and his, his demons, not you. Don't choose to go there. Stop right what you're doing right now. And pray and receive Jesus as the Lord. You mean it. Jesus, you're the Lord. You're the boss. I'm not the boss of my life anymore. You're the boss. Teach me. Forgive me. We'll pray that here in just a moment. Stop. Make a decision. I'm going to do something different tonight. If you want to pray for the first time, never prayed, never been right with God, you want to pray for the first time. Never really gave your life. But you want to for the first time tonight. I'm going to ask you on the count of three to raise your hand up high and to put it down. There's no strings attached to that. You just need to acknowledge it. You just say, God, I, I want you. I, I, I acknowledge you publicly. I need to get right with you. If that's you for the first time, online, send a message to us right now. This is my first time. In this room, the first time. On the count of three, I want you to raise your hand. One, two, three, my first time. Raise your hand up. Thank you. 
Thank you, thank you. Wow, thank you. Now, if it's your next time, you've prayed and, man, you keep on following, you keep on walking away from God. I want to say something. He's not walking away from you and never has. Come home. Turn around and come home right now. Turn around. If you're online, send a message. Say, I'm turning around. I'm coming home right now. In this room, I'm going to ask you on the count of three to raise your hand. Say, I'm turning around and I'm coming home right now. I'm not going to miss heaven. and I'm not going to miss out on this life that God wants to give me here and now. I'm not going to miss it. I'm not going to miss it. One, two, three. You raise your hand and say, it's me. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. All over this room. Thank you all. God bless you. Well, let's pray. Let's pray with those online, and let's pray with those um, here that have raised their hand. Let's all pray together, okay? Say this. Say, God, I believe that you love me. You love us, all of us, and we were all your enemies. You sent Jesus to die for us. Thank you. Thank you for loving us, for loving me. When I was unlovable. Thank you for sending Jesus. That he did die for my sins. But you raised him from the dead. And he's alive. He did all of that. To offer me. A rescue plan. Your rescue plan. I receive it tonight. I say to you father. That I ask you to forgive me. Of all my sins. I want to change. And I know that change only comes. By accepting Jesus as the Lord. And receiving your Holy Spirit. So right now. Jesus. You are the Lord. Jesus Christ. Of my life. I receive you now. And I give you my life. I receive the Holy Spirit. To teach me to guide me, to direct me, to comfort me, to help me serve and live for your kingdom. And I receive all the blessings that come with that. I thank you I'm forgiven. I'm on my way to heaven. I'm right with you, and I'm moving forward. In Jesus' name, so be it. Amen. Amen. Come on, church. Praise God. God bless you guys. Thanks for listening today. If you'd like to find out more about Church on the Move, like our service times, or how you can connect with us, you can visit cotmroswell.com.